Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. How old are you, Johnny? She asked. Sixteen. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A wise old king once said, Of the making of books, there is no end. How true today. Of the overabundance of writing published each year, what's worth reading? The answer is simple. Read only the best. Come join the discussion on Just the Best Literature. Well, hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Why well, I don't have any comments today, and that's probably a good thing. Now, on our last podcast, Deborah and I discussed Chapter 22. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more here in a second. Uh, today, what we want to do is we want to move into Chapter 23 to give you a little bit more background on Patazon. So I'd like to uh, welcome my wife back into the studio. Welcome back, dear. Thank you. It's good to be here again. I'm always glad you're able to come in. Also with us in the studio today is producer Parker Campbell, who is still filling in for Gabe, who will be back on campus this Friday. I'm not going to tell where he was, but I'm very happy for him. But I'd be really happy to have him back. He's going to work harder now. He's going to work an extra week harder. All right, I just want to give you a little bit of instruction before we get into the, the main program. And again, I just think it's important to do this. But I really trust that all of you out there have uh, taken the time to read chapters 20 and 21. Now, of the two, I think 21 is the most important. And uh, the reason is uh, Marlowe describes Patterson to his listeners. Now, remember, these these are the listeners uh, that are they're on a... Um, porch somewhere, I guess I call it a porch, and uh, uh, they're they're all probably getting very bored by this point in the story of listening to Marlowe because he's just going on and on and on. Anyway, but there is uh, some uh, really important necessary background there for the readers, and uh, one thing I want to point out for you, if you have not read it, uh, don't you definitely need to go to page one sixty six. And uh, this is in, in that chapter 21, and that page gives us the strange tale of Stein. And this is, this is at Patterson, by the way. This is, remember, Stein has this trading company as far as we know, but then there was a time when Stein actually lived on Patterson. It's kind of revealed here. So there's the strange tale of Stein, a woman, and Cornelius. And so uh, uh, I have finished the entire book, by the way. Uh, I don't know if I told you that, my friend. I finished it. I know the whole story now. It's not what I expected. It's a great ending. Well, maybe it's not a great ending, but anyway, it's an ending. So, but uh, um, we're going to have to talk about more of these characters, but I'll just give a little hint now that Cornelius, he proves to be a notoriously shady character in Jim's life at Patazon. And so, so... uh, Essentially, uh, Conrad is doing a great job as a writer, and he's introducing characters to us now in the second half of Jim's life. Now, uh, Marlowe assures his listeners that Jim's personal character stayed sterling uh, during this whole time period, and uh, he did not get into drinking. In other words, uh, Marlowe makes that, that point, and he's really trying to uh, even as we talked last time, he's trying to make sure that we hold his character sterling. And uh, he was really very successful uh, when he was on Patterson. Now, in chapter 22, 
and uh, that's where where uh, we want to. Um, well, actually, we talked about it last time, but uh, just just to, to help you understand chapter twenty two again, and it's worth repeating, is on chapter twenty two in chapter twenty two on page seventy three it jumps forward in time when uh, Marlo visits Jim two years after he moved to the island. Now, uh, it's just a very brief section, but it, it's, it's really kind of a... Um, Excuse me. Do you mean, is that, should that be 173 instead of Oh, yeah, 173. Right. Yep, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep, I just forgot to write the one in there. Mm-hmm. I was trying to eat lunch at the same time I was typing <laughs> this, so that's what... So it is, it's page 173. It jumps forward in time when he visits Jim two years after he moved to the island. And then on pages 174 and 176, he jumps back in time to a discussion Marlowe has with Jim after he accepts the offer of being a trader for Stein. So it's really, it's, it's really a con, kind of a confusing chapter. But anyway, um, uh, it, it, I just wanted to bring that out for all of you because you really do need to read those chapters. Aro, okay, now, one, one other thing <laughs> that really kind of irritates me <laughs> is uh, <laughs> chapter 23, that we're, which we're going to get into, is it's the morning after Jim meets with Stein. Now, what really kind of irritates me about this, and I can't wait to talk to Conrad about this, is Conrad gives us no clue how Jim meets Stein at Stein's house the morning uh, at a time, and then he visits Marlowe in the next morning. There's no lead up to that in the chapter, and so so we just have to accept that he went somehow. He got there. Uh, I don't know how they they did it, but anyway, they did it. All right. So we get to uh, now to chapter 23, and again, uh, chapter 23. It begins on page 176, and we've we've covered some quotes off of 174, 176. I'm not going to read those again. So, uh, but but anyway, it just really irritated me. The more I looked, thought about it, I just I just had to get it off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, all right. So so now chapter 23. It, this is uh, the morning after Jim meets with Stein. Now. Essentially, if you if you pick this up, Marlowe seems to know that he went there for dinner, but Marlowe obviously is not at the dinner. And then it all he also finds out that Stein invited him to stay for the night. So so that's why he didn't show up till the next morning. So obviously, I think he must have been staying with Marlowe, but he doesn't show up till the next morning. So so that's that's the way I take that. All right. But I, I think what's really what's really interesting here is it, it's we, we see a, a view of Jim where he's excited about life again, and you know he's he's always been trying to hide everything about the Pat Nun, and that's just makes his life gloomy. He's always on the run. As soon as he, he hears about something about Patna, and the point is, it seems like as far as Jim's concerned now, that's all over. It's all done. And so that, just let me read this quote there for everybody. It says, He did not return till the next morning. He had been kept to dinner, and for the night there had never been such a wonderful man as Mr. Stein. He had in his pocket a letter for Cornelius. And again, this is the notorious Cornelius. And uh, uh, what, what uh, 
what Marlowe is telling us is what he's saying there. So, so uh, essentially, what's what's going on here is Jim is excited. Not only was it dinner, then he was accepted to stay for the night, and then uh, uh, obviously he, he's accepted this this uh, job offer, and he says he has in his his, his uh, pocket a letter for Cornelius, and uh, uh, notice then in parentheses it says it says the Johnny who's going to get the sack. <laughs> so, so here he is. He's young. He's going to Patterson. Doesn't know much about the place at all. Doesn't know much about Cornelius. All he knows is he gets the sackum, you know. So he's already going in there with with a Stein, Stein behind him, and uh, uh, you know he, he said uh, he explained with a momentary drop in his elation, and he explained uh, with uh, excuse me, and he exhibited with glee a silver ring, such as native Jews worn down very thin and showing faint traces of chasing. And so I had to look up that word chasing, and it doesn't mean to chase you down the street. It means there was metalwork on the, the the ring, so there was there was imprinted symbols and everything on the ring. All right, so he gets to give um, uh, the sack to Cornelius, and uh, uh, one thing I think is interesting, and Deborah, you can chime in here anytime, but maybe I should just ask you why does why is um, Jim so excited about Stein. Well, he's so excited because he sees Stein as, as a hero, as someone who um, he has, has done kind of things that he he would, he wants to do. He's had adventures and he's um, done done many things, and so that's so he's really excited. He's just Stein, Mr. Stein is kind of like who he wants to be in right. some ways. Right. So that's exactly right. So mm-hmm. so it's, in, in other words, Jim just can't wait. To like close the book on everything that's happened in his life, and you know if he goes to this far off island, and it, it is as they said, as uh, Marlowe has said before, it's like this you know lost planet out in the Milky Way, you know, and uh, um, you know, and he gets to now work for another hero, so so he can identify certainly with um, um, you know. Uh, he, he can identify with Stein very well. All right. He said, um, uh, th- then they, they talk about the ring, and he is just like totally um, caught up with this ring. And, uh, you know, so, so Stein and Jim have this discussion about his war comrade, where, and, and uh, his name is Doraman. And it was Doraman that gave Stein the silver ring when he left the island. And obviously, what happened is Stein had saved Doraman's life. And so, so there was a war, and uh, yeah, um, you know, on the island. And even when Jim gets there, maybe I'll, I won't have to give too much of a. But th- there's also there's the undercurrent of war still on the island when he gets there. So, uh, so anyway, um, so Jim feels like wow, he's going to he's going to have the friend of a hero as his friend because the ring is now something he can take back to him and say, hey, this is my friend Stein, and you gave this to him, so now you're going to be my friend. And, uh, uh, you know, I do think it's, it's, uh, it's really kind of um, amazing. Jim is just crazy with enthusiasm, but he doesn't, he's not facing the reality that there are problems on Patazon. And so he doesn't care. 
because he's getting out. <laughs> he's getting away from from his former life. So uh, I think it's I think it's funny that uh, um, what Marlowe has to say about him. This is uh, top of page one seventy seven. Everybody out there is uh, <laughs> Jim is so crazy with enthusiasm that it's like he he's talking incessantly. <laughs> you know, he's not even listening to Marlowe. Marlowe's trying to talk to him, and he's just like going on and on and on and on and on. He says, he ran on like this, forgetting his plate with a knife, fork in hand. He had found me at Tiffin. So I think, uh, did I explain this before? Tiffin means lunch. Mm. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, he, was, he must have had breakfast with Stein, too. But now he's interrupting his lunch. He says, slightly flushed, with his eyes dark in many shades, which was with him a sign of excitement. The ring was a sort of credential. It's something like you read in the books he threw in appreciatively. So you see, his mind is already thinking this. This is like Lord of the Ring or well, something. Well, it was interesting. He <laughs> talked about in books, you know, it's, it's, that's ro- his romantic, you know, side, you know, yeah. talking about the romance, but reading about books and adventures. And so and someone would have a ring, you know, yeah. and this kind of thing. So Yeah. You know, I, don't, yeah. I don't think Lord of the Rings was out of the No, I don't know. Something else. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's, I still like Lord of the Rings, you know, because that ring is there, even though it's kind of weird. All right. Uh, and anyway, he goes, uh, the ring was a sort of credential. It's like something you read of in books. He threw in appreciatively, and Doraman would, would, would do his best for him. Mr. Stein had said, but he, Jim, had his own, own opinion about that. So I don't know what that means other than, you know, Jim is still a very independent thinker. Mr. Stein was just the man to look out for such accidents, no matter Accident or purpose, this would serve his turn immensely. Hope to goodness the jolly old beggar had not gone off the hooks meantime. And so so here's he's referring to Doraman. And uh, so obviously they've had this discussion uh, about Doraman and taking this ring back and getting his friendship and getting him to protect you. But they didn't know if he was even still alive. It says Mr. Stein could not tell. There had been no news for more than a year. They were kicking up no end of an all-fired row against themselves, and the river was closed. Jolly awkward this, but no fear. He would manage to find a crack to get in. Excuse me, I'm wondering, would it, could he have, he have been talking about Cornelius? Would that, is that possible? Which one now? When he says, he said, um, the, the jolly old beggar had not gone off the hooks in the meantime because he was going there to replace Cornelius. I know oh. a few minutes before it was, you know, a doorman, but, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering. Yeah. And no news, there had been no news. In other words, Mr. Stein had not had any news from his outpost. Yeah, well, that's not good. No, for, so I'm, so, so, so it, it could be either. I don't know. I'm just curious about that. Yeah, I don't know what it yeah. is because yeah. I'm not Joseph Conrad. No, I know, yes. <laughs> and I think this is another thing I'll just make on my list when I get to talk to him. Right, yes. <laughs> I'm going to say, okay, let's talk about who was the, you know, uh, who was the old beggar. Anyway, uh, the the point I'm trying to make here is that Jim was just out of his mind excited. He's just talking incessantly. Uh, he goes on to say he impressed. He impressed. Almost frightened me with his elated rattle. He was a voluble, like a youngster on the eve of a long holiday, with the prospect of delightful scrapes, and such an attitude of mind in a grown man. And in this connection had it something phenomenal, a little mad, dangerous, unsafe, 
I was on the point of entreating him to take things seriously when he dropped his knife and fork. He had, he had begun eating, or rather swallowing food as if it were, as if it were unconsciously, and began searching all around his plate. The ring, the ring, where the devil? Ah, ah, here it was. He closed his hand on it and tried all his pockets one after another. Wouldn't do to lose the thing. He meditated gravely over his fist. Had it would hang the bali affair around his neck. And he proceeded to do this immediately, producing a string which looked like a bit of cotton shoelace for the purpose. There, that would do the trick. It would be the deuce if he seemed to catch sight of my face for the first time and it steadied him a little. So that's all I could think about now is the ring. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to find it. I could just see him. What? Oh, no, no, what I do with it? So then he takes a shoelace and ties it around his neck. So uh, so he is just, uh, you know, full of all this en enthusiasm. And uh, notice where this leads. I, I think this is uh, uh, important to bring out. But it's kind of... Um, Kind of the way way uh, Marlowe talks. Um, again, I'm going to skip down to half the page. And, and although all of you readers out there remember, you're still responsible for the whole page. So anyway, but um, very down, down at the very uh, middle of the page, page uh, 178, it said, uh, you can see Marlowe is just getting tired of the kid. Um, you know, he's not eating right. He's got crumbs all over the tablecloth. And uh, he says, he tossed his head fearlessly, and I confess that for the first and last time in our acquaintance, I perceived myself unexpectedly to be thoroughly sick of him. <laughs> so, so because Marlowe is trying to help him get, you know, get, a, what, get his head out of the clouds, you know, get his head out of the books, and realize you're going to Patterson. This may not be... Uh, you know, this, this may not be just Adventure Island. This might be a really bad place for you. And uh, you know, he, he couldn't he couldn't get control of him. He says, "Why are these vaporings?" He was stumping about the room, flourishing his arm absurdly now and then, feeling on his breast for the ring under his clothes. Where was the sense of such exaltation in the man appointed to be a trading clerk, and in a place where where there was no trade at that? <laughs> so. So, you know, why is he so excited about this? And the the point is, he's not excited about what he's going to be necessarily doing. He's exciting that he's getting an escape from the Patna and everything about the Patna. That's what's, that's what's really going on. Then notice uh, down towards the very end of this, he's talking about youth. This is totally Conrad here. Now, it's it's very different from the very first book that we used. If you remember, all the way back to the beginning you know, of our, of our Conrad series, the book Youth. Notice what he has to say here. Youth is insolent. It is its right, its necessity. It has got to assert itself, and all assertion in the world of doubts is a defiance, is an insolence. He went off into a far corner, and coming back, he figuratively speaking turned to rend me. I spoke like that because I, even I, who had been no end kind to him, even I remembered, remembered against him what what had happened and what about the others, the world. Where's the wonder he wanted to get out, to get out, meant to stay out by heavens? And I talked about proper frames of mind. And so, so uh, you know, here is, uh, you know, 
Jim had this constant reminder of the, the Patnon, and he wanted free of it. And uh, notice what Jim says, it is not I or the world who remembers, no wait, this is Marlowe, uh, or I who remembers, I shouted, it is you, you who remember. And so I think we've talked about this in past programs, is that Jim could never let it go, the Patna. He could never let it go what happened. And, uh, you know, uh, this, this is what he's trying to get across to Jim as an older man. He's saying, forget about it, but don't go to, don't necessarily just run off to, what, Patterson to get away from it. Just forget it. And he says, he'd not flinch, run off with the heat. Forget everything, everybody, everybody, his voice fell, but you, he added. And so, so Jim, Jim is going to forget, but he's going to forget about everything except Marlowe. Yes, because he's still his friend. Yeah, because he's still his friend. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so anyway, um, you know, I do think that is, uh, um, you know, it's, it's kind of touching in a way, but uh, um, you know, Jim, Jim is just so excited. All right, at the bottom of that page, um, Jim realizes he has to get ready. He he. Uh, He's so excited he forgot what time Stein's ship was leaving. He didn't have very much time to get ready. So we go on to the other page, page 180, and uh, you know he's he's kind of running around like a maniac. I think he uh, he must have been staying with Marlowe. Uh, bottom of page 179, he says he turned up accordingly in a great hurry with a small leather valise in his hand. This wouldn't do, and I offered him an old tin trunk of mine, supposed to be watertight or at least damp tight. He effected the transfer by the simple process of shooting out the contents of his valets as you would empty a sack of wheat. I saw three books in the tumble, two small and dark covers, and a thick green and gold volume, a half-crown complete Shakespeare. You read this, I asked? Yes, best thing to clear up a fellow, he said hastily. So here, you know, Jim reads Shakespeare. And you know why he reads it? Because it's good for you. <laughs> it's, I mean, uh, Shakespeare has, um, you know, all kinds of things to teach young people and old people. So anyway, so uh, Jim Jim uh, uh, has his Shakespeare. Um, Marlow sees it, and then also Marlow's thinking. He's thinking about what what could go wrong, and. Uh, uh, he said, I was struck by this appreciation, but there was no time for Shakespeare talk. <laughs> but listen, he says, a heavy revolver and two small boxes of cartridges were lying on the cuddy table. Pray take, pray take this, I said. It may help you to remain. <laughs> no sooner were these words out of my mouth than I perceived what a grim meaning they could bear. May help you get in, I corrected myself. So, so that's a foreshadowing may help you remain and uh you know i think uh if you haven't picked it up yet people uh jim's not going to come out of this alive you know so so uh, anyway uh th- that's that is what's coming so anyway he hands him hands him this revolver and two boxes of shells and uh what does what does jim do there do you realize what he does um he goes Oh, with a oh, revolver. Oh, he, oh he, leave, he leaves the shells, yes. <laughs> he, he leaves the he shells. He takes the revolver without any shells, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so so anyway, um, you know, it's you can see that he's just like crazy, crazy trying to get ready to pack. All right. Um, notice uh, uh, page 182, I think this is the bottom. Um, 
I'm doing all the talking again. Um, if you want, if you have anything you want to say, you just interrupt me. Okay, I will. Okay, all right. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> but uh, you know, previous pages, he said, uh, you know, he was really getting quite sick of him. But at the bottom of page 182, he says, "I called him dear boy," and he tacked on the words "old man" to some half-uttered expression of gratitude as though his risk set off against my years and made us more equal in age and in feeling. So, so they have their bro moment, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right here, right here at the mm-hmm. end. Um, so you can see that, that, that uh, Marlowe did have, I think, some real, real fondness for the boy. All right. Then uh, on page 183, um, uh, I think this is an interesting paragraph, and uh, this is kind of like the summary. It says, my gig had dropped in the wake of the brigantine. And, of course, what's going on here is he's trying to get the two boxes of shells to him. You know, he's got the revolver, but he forgot the shells. So he's in his own ship. He says, I or um, I don't know how big the, I don't, I don't want to give the impression it's this big ship. It's like a, a boat or a sailboat. It says, I saw him aft of the test upon the light of the restoring sun, raising his cap high above his head. I heard an indistinct shout, you shall hear of me, of me or from me, I don't know which. I think it must have been of me. My eyes were too dazed by the glitter of the sea below his feet to see him clearly. I am fated never to see him clearly, but I can assure you no man could have appeared less in the similitude of a corpse." As that half-caste croaker had put it, I could see the little wretch's face, the shape of the color of a ripe pumpkin, poked out somewhere under Jim's elbow. He, too, raised his arm as if for a downward thrust. Absit omen. So, so I'll let you talk about that one. <clears throat> well, yes. The, he's. I guess we hadn't really talked about the fact that he's on this, this little ship, um, and the, the person is a, he's a half-caste. Um, half-caste. Yeah, half-caste, yeah. and he's... And he is not all happy about taking him to Patasan. He's because he's been he's um, he's been there before, and um, um, he says some things about um, he says plenty. He says something about he's seen it play too much of Patasan. And then Marlowe says he heard afterwards that he'd been so indiscreet as to get himself tied up by the neck with a rattan halter to a post planted in the middle of a mud hole before the Rajah's house. Yeah. So, so in other words, he had some bad experience with um, with uh, Patizan, and he also he so on page one eighty two, he um, he says to Marlowe that the gentleman was already in the similitude of a corpse. Right. <laughs> so, so there's all all this uh, foreshadowing of Jim Jim being a corpse, and that's why at the end there, he's he has his arm, you know. Uh, thrust downward, um, even though Jim is, you know, he's all positive yeah. and up and higher, looking upward. But the, that gentleman is has his arm thrust downward. Yeah, he's like, he's going down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I mean, there are there are people mm-hmm. that know about Patterson, and uh, of course Jim Jim does believe mm-hmm. that he's going to have a positive impact, and you know, you know, help it, and so. Uh, uh, I think that's probably all that's really, really important in chapter 23. Um, 
remember Doraman though, he's, he is one of the principal natives there, and he is an old friend, uh, you know, who owes his life to Stein. So, so that is going to be one very positive thing um, for, um, for Jim. All right. Let's, let's slip over and see if we can get to uh, page or chapter 24. All right, so, so here, we, here we go. Forward again, Marlowe visits Jim two years later, but we already know part of the scene from the former chapter. <laughs> you know, so, so anyway, back and forth, back and forth. All right, so the very, the very uh, um, first couple sentences of chapter 24, Marlowe gives his description of Patterson. And uh, I don't know what you think. I think he modeled this modeled this paragraph after Heart of Darkness. And it is very similar. <laughs> it does remind you of that? Yes, yes, for sure. Yes. Says, the coast mm-hmm. of Patterson, I start nearly two mm-hmm. years afterwards, is straight and somber, and faces a misty ocean. So, so uh, you know, uh, all good writers borrow good stuff they've written before. <laughs> and so, so uh, anyway, it does remind me of Heart of Darkness. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, again, Jim is going there with all of this real excitement, but, but Marlo, Marlo's a little more uh, mature, a little more maybe experienced, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, he, he's a little concerned about, you know, his dear boy being there. All right, um, let's, let's slip over just to page 184. I think it's, um, it's interesting that okay two years have passed and you know Jim is obviously now settled you know pretty deeply into the island and uh, you know he's he's doing really well and uh, uh, you know uh, he's now called Tuan Jim or Lord Jim so so he's obviously made some inroads in with the people and so all you readers out there we're going to end right here and so that is all the time we have for today's program. But there is still, you know, quite a bit more that we're going to be talking about. So that's all the time we have for today's program. Next time, Deborah and I will continue our discussion of the visit between Jim and Marlo on Padawan or Patuson. I always want to say Padawan. <laughs> I keep trying to repeat my tell myself not to do that. All right. Also, I just want to let you know that we are coming to our last four or five programs on this book. So if you have not read all the way, you better read all the way. And uh, I will be announcing in the next couple of weeks our new series. We've had um, some meetings on it, and uh, uh, I think you're going to be excited by this series. I know I'm excited by the series. I'm going to be working really hard for the series. So there is a new series coming. So please write me any comments you may have to jbl at pcog.org. You can follow JBL on Twitter at jbliterature1. And you can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for Just the Best Literature. So until next time, keep reading. You've been listening to Just the Best Literature on Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG. Streaming online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.